the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. Thanks for coming along today. The Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Kath has a couple of days off. I'll be uh, flying solo with you today, so thanks for being with us here. I just heard something on the, uh, the weather forecast. What is an embedded thunderstorm? Something new. It's embedded. I mean, I know what it embedded is as far as radio talk, but an embedded thunderstorm, it's like, I'm not quite sure what that is. I was, um, I had a couple of days off. We, we worked good. Uh, we worked on Good Friday, Kath and I, and New Mike. So we had um, Monday off as a, as a bonus and took, and took yesterday off as a double bonus. I just had, you know, butter on both sides of the bread. But I, I was out to, in the yard yesterday doing some, uh, some yard work and, uh, some new grass I've been trying to to rise up, and so I putted around for a long time. I can't say that I'm a you know a natural gardener, but it's something that's very enjoyable, isn't it? I mean, I just really like being outside. I just want to be outside in the yard as much as possible. I just want to be out in nature. It just feels right. And, and when you're doing doing things like that, you know, manual labor, but it's enjoyable. Your mind tends to, at least my mind tends to be at peace. And my thoughts generally are, are lifted higher. It's a lot easier, I'll tell you that, to be out in nature and to, to feel the sun on your back and uh, hear the birds sing on a beautiful spring day and feel the presence of God in your life. Right? I mean, there's no denying that. It's an easy, easy thing to, to reach out and, hey, Lord, and to spend time, which is what I did yesterday. So as I'm doing this, I was thinking about, you know, my life and my wife and my children and all that and thinking about wisdom. What is wisdom? And I, not that I'm an ancient man, but it's true that one of the advantages of getting older is that wisdom does come upon us only because of experience. You know, after all the experiences, all the ups and downs, the accomplishments that you've experienced, the failures we've experienced— we have a, a bit more season to life, and we are able to handle it perhaps better than our younger counterparts, right? There's something to be said with age and experience that brings you knowledge, which is essentially the truth of wisdom. But what is it, though? Markers of wisdom. The marker of wisdom would include, I believe, patience, compassion, the ability to see the uncertainty and to see a, maybe a larger picture within that uncertainty. Of course, it comes from experience and the result of many years of testing our beliefs, especially as believers in Jesus Christ, against the reality of what we perceive to be the moment. The different paths that we take through our lives shift our goals and our values to shape wisdom in our lives. And some point, hopefully, I believe at some point, most of us, if you are reflective and especially if you are a Bible reader, 
you will attain some measure of wisdom. It's not intelligence or cleverness or even ethics. Wisdom seems to be more of a time-tested means of choosing the correct path to live through, a guide through the unknown, a certain amount of acceptance of this is how life is and how best to deal with it. You know, we live in this culture, of course we do, of valuing information, however dubious that information might be. Our accomplishments, our dissemination of facts seems more important, I think, more so today than any wisdom at all. Because wisdom involves the emptying and the quieting of our mind and using our heart and applying reason and feeling. Even though feelings aren't facts, they are a part of wisdom. It is standing back and viewing the whole, discerning what matters, what does not, weighing the meaning and the depth of things. The quality of wisdom, true wisdom, is extremely rare in short supply in our world today. 1 Corinthians 12, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, 24 says, But to those called by God to salvation, both Jew and Gentile, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Proverbs 3.15, I bet you know this. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom. There is something to be said about age and time. Traditional societies rely upon their elders for wisdom because wisdom is one of the few things in human life that does not diminish with age. Many of us have not even considered that we may be wise in some way. So I would encourage you, maybe tonight in your yard or your quiet space or garden or whatever it is, to pause, to put the phone down, to think and pray, to come before the Lord and say, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me clarity of thought, strength, peace, and your power in all my life. Because truly, I believe, just like a day well spent in a garden, that is the great joy in life. Knowing the truth, that Christ is with us, and that his wisdom reigns forever. We're going to get a show for you today. I believe we're going to talk in just a few minutes with Pastor Josh Brown about the resurrection, how the resurrection is absolutely central to us on this Easter Wednesday. Stay with us. It's Word FM and WPIT Radio. 101.5 WORD. Where this weekend, the spotlight shines on the music of Amy Grant. Hi, Pittsburgh. This is Amy Grant. A career spanning over 40 years in contemporary Christian music. Amy Grant. She's great. She's great. She's really good. She's awesome. She's coming to Pittsburgh Saturday, May 4th to Amplify Church, Pittsburgh East Campus. And we're getting ready for the concert by playing Pittsburgh's favorite Amy Grant tunes. Great classic music. I just love it, yeah. Request what you want to hear at 877-349-1015. She's coming to the Pittsburgh East Campus of Amplify Church. It's an evening with Amy Grant. A night of inspiration, stories, songs, and more. Saturday, May 4th. 
Tickets are going fast at itickets.com. Don't miss an evening with Amy Grant. Coming May 4th to the Pittsburgh East Campus of Amplify Church. On sale now. This is Stacy on her motorcycle. What an incredible view! And this is Stacy off her motorcycle. Does this have sucralose in it? On her motorcycle. Oh, the wind in my hair! Off her motorcycle. Uh, it's pronounced etc., not etc. On. Woohoo! Yes! Off. No. You're better on your bike. And with basic policies starting at $75 a year, quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. This is the Entertainment Answer. Avengers Endgame is finally here. After the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, the universe is in ruins. With the help of the remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to restore order to the universe. It's certainly been a fun ride for Don Cheadle's war machine. This has been a very interesting ride and a lot of fun. And to be this many movies in and to still be changing and to still have new stuff to do. It's just been really exciting. Avengers Endgame rated PG-13. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. Guess what? Right now is the perfect time to tackle those home projects you've been putting off. So come summertime, you can just sit back and relax. HomeAdvisor can help get you started. HomeAdvisor matches you to the right pro for the job in seconds. You can read reviews and even book appointments online. HomeAdvisor can help with any home project, big or small, painting, plumbing, even remodeling. Find a great pro now before the busy season hits. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. HomeAdvisor. Love one another as I have loved you. That's what Jesus said, but it's going to take a lot of prayer to make it happen. Join us Thursday, May 2nd, as we celebrate the National Day of Prayer, 6.15 p.m. at Christ Church at Grove Farm. An hour of music, prayer, and exhortation as we call on God to move in our hearts and heal our land. Free and open to the public, come join us for this special one-hour kickoff celebration to mark the official start of the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference. Details at wordfm.com prayer. I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. Pastor Josh Brown is with us from Belfield Presbyterian Church. Hey, Josh. Good to hey, see John, you. How you doing today? Real good. Happy Easter to you. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, now, you know, I'm, I'm reading along. I've, I do this sort of daily devotional, and so after um, Easter was over, I, I was um, I was uh, surprised to see that. Uh, hold on. There we go. Try that. Better. Next, there yeah. we go. <laughs> Didn't hear you there. Now the, now the headphones are working. Good. So I, I'm reading along in this devotional, and um, uh, Monday it said something to the effect of, well, this is now Easter Monday, and yeah. of course Easter Tuesday, Easter Wednesday. And I was surprised by that, that we are still, of course, carrying Easter with us, even though Easter's passed, it's still with us. Yeah, that, that's helpful language to use, I think, if the point is to remind us that Easter or the resurrection is not confined to just that one day, the third day after Christ's crucifixion. So there are uh, Christian traditions that'll that'll be more consistent in using language like Easter Tide, which yes. is this season in the church year in the in the liturgical year that goes from the Resurrection Sunday up until Pentecost. Uh, and, and even language like that is just meant to show that this is beyond, it's not something that is just confined to that one morning, and it's not something that we should confine our discussions to one Sunday out of the year. One and done. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's absolutely not that. 
Yeah. So it's a longer season, of course. Well, we, we do the 40 days of Lent, right? Mm-hmm. The Lenten process. So the Easter tide, is, that has some time yeah, to some, it as well. Yeah, it does. It's it's the period up until Pentecost. So Luke talks about uh, there being 40 days where Jesus appeared to and to and with the disciples after his resurrection. So uh, it's that time leading up to Pentecost when you see in, in Acts chapter 2 where the Spirit descends in a new way upon believers. And there's this period of time between then. So some churches will be very intentional throughout that time about focusing on the resurrection. I think that's a wonderful thing. But, mm-hmm. but even that, if only if that's the only time we ever talk about it, we're still selling it short. Right. So uh, I told you before we w- went on the air today that as I was reading along, I was reading in the Gospel of John about when Mary shows up at the tomb mm-hmm. uh, uh, on Resurrection Day, and there's two angels waiting for her. And she's, of course, distraught, crying and, you know, thinking someone tell, tell me where my Lord is. And she right. turns and sees this gardener and she says, if you tell me where the, my Lord is, where you've taken him, I'll go get him. Right. And it's not the gardener. It's Jesus. No, he says her name and she recognizes that. That's at that it. Point. Yeah. It's a fascinating little encounter. Isn't I it? think so, too. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, so that's really key because if not, I mean, if, if in fact the gardener did take Jesus' body. Right. Well, then it's all over. Yeah, and, and in the Gospels, I mean, we see, too, this acknowledgement of, of the the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, the Roman leaders. They're, they're concerned about that. They say, we're, we're worried that the disciples might try to do this. That's why they post guards there in the first place. So they recognized, we, we don't want that to be the case. Yeah. They, they went above and beyond to ensure that wasn't the case. And these encounters, then, the, the one with Mary there in the garden, some of the ones that happened right after the resurrection, it's fascinating to see there, there's a... There's a both and that's happening there. There, There's a recognition that Jesus is both somehow radically different, um, but it's also him. He's also exactly the same. And and that sounds paradoxical. I understand that. But that's what we see in his resurrection. There, There is absolute continuity where this is his bodily, physical resurrection. Luke shows that he eats and drinks uh, with the disciples to show that, hey, I'm, I'm going to sit down and eat some fish and, and have something to drink with you. That's in the end of Luke's gospel. The end of John's gospel is where Thomas touches him. So he's showing there, there's some continuity here. And, and there are times where people recognize him, but there are also times where they don't recognize him. And uh, at least one instance where he appears inside a room where the doors have been locked. So there's also something, this body, this resurrection body has distinctive properties that are different but it's also somehow him, and, and this kind of both end of continuity and discontinuity uh, is really what shows us that, well, some, something really new is happening here. Yeah. I mean, he tells Mary, he says, um, I've not yet gone to be with the Father, right. but go tell, go tell everyone else. Yep. So, I mean, if, if Mary can't recognize him, right. or you know, men along the roadway don't recognize him, then something's totally, totally different here. But at the same time, it is Jesus speaking, and then eventually there is a recognition. It is, yeah. And Luke's gospel, I think, has when he's the one who includes the disciples who are on their way to Emmaus, and it says that Jesus yeah. appears with them. It would, and it, it seems to indicate that he just shows up, kind of shows up. It doesn't really say how. So, there, again, something probably distinct happening there. And he's walking with them, and they don't recognize him. And it says that he's it's when he sits down with them and he blesses the bread and gives thanks and breaks it. It says that their eyes, they, their eyes are open at that point. They recognize him for who he is. So I think there's a way we can, we can look at that and say uh, it, it's a bit of an analogy there. But even as we're approaching something like the Lord's Supper, it's only when we see this breaking, th- this fact that Christ is the one broken and given for us, that we actually recognize him for who he truly is. Now that, that's a bit of a, that, that's drawing out of that story. But something in that moment, something in that, in that event 
uh, quite literally allow them to say, oh, that's who this is. Yeah. And there's something going on there. It's hard to, even biblically, as we look at the way that Christ's resurrection is described and the way he is described after his resurrection, uh, we have to acknowledge that, that all of those things seem to be present there. there there's an there's a absolute continuity. This is definitely the same Jesus who was crucified, and yet there's something new there going on. Uh, and in a similar way, when Paul talks about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 for us, he, he brings up the same kind of things. He says that it'll be, it'll be you, but it'll also be you in a way that you've never been before. So there is this continuity and discontinuity. And at some point we've got to say, I don't understand exactly I don't understand. how that's going to work. But the resurrection is, is central. It's absolutely central. The skeptics among us would point to those passages and go, see, there's just something phony about that. Sure. And, I mean, the New Testament writers, I mean, they, they include little details in there that maybe we don't um, bring bring up as often. In that same passage in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says there, there was also at, at least one occasion where Jesus appeared to a group of 500 people. So this was, you can't say this was, well, John, this was you sitting in your in your radio studio all by yourself. Right. And you had a vision. Who can verify else, this? Nobody else yeah, saw it. There's at least one instance of that. And... Uh, there's sometimes C.S. C.S. Lewis had this great. He had a bunch of great little phrases. One was chronological snobbery, hmm. and that was when we think, well, good. certainly people back then could have believed in a resurrection because they were all simpletons and primitive, and right. they didn't have any of the insights of modern science. But we are far too enlightened to believe in that. that that's a phrase he used. He said that that's chronological snobbery. People oh, really back good. then, they knew that when you're dead, you're dead. They knew that probably even better than we do. Yeah. So it would have been just as uh, uh, just as radical of a claim then as it is now. What I love when you read all the different the gospel accounts of the resurrection, which of course is the beauty of the gospel, is that it, no one's perspective is the same. There's all these different voices and different thoughts and ideas that go into it, which makes it real for me because, I mean, the three of us, you, me, and New Mike, could see something, and of course we're going to have different versions of the event. Right. And each one, you're right, each one of the gospel writers includes something there at the end. Uh, even Mark's ending, for example, um, you may know that uh, a lot of people point out that the last few verses of Mark's gospel are, are not always included in the earliest manuscripts. So there seems to be some, some indication that maybe the original version stopped at verse 8. And if that's the, chapter 16, verse 8, and if that is the case, uh, that ends very unexpectedly because it says that the women went, they saw that he wasn't there, and they walked out with great fear. Stop. That's it. Yeah, and it, that that's a really interesting ending there. You say, well, what, what's what's Mark trying to get out with that? Now, it, it, there's more to it than that. We include those other verses in there, and, and that's because there does seem to be some good historicity to them, even if they weren't in the earliest ones. But if that was the original ending, that's also saying, wow, they they saw that he wasn't there, and they were they were afraid of what? I, I don't know. Um, but just a, that this is something even bigger than I thought. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. interesting even to see that. But you're right. There's, a, there's definitely a spectrum there. Um, but the one thing that they are united on is that this is not some peripheral doctrine. This is not some fringe claim that we are making where you could take this or leave it, and the faith is really, the faith is really the same whether you have this or not. None of them ever take that position. All of them stake their claim absolutely firmly on the resurrection and saying everything depends on this. Right. And that's the, that's the point that everything does, because if Jesus was God is God, man, mm -hmm. and did not come back from the dead, well then game over. And we're just the same as the Buddhist or whomever. Sure. We need to have Jesus come back. Yeah. If he had just died, 
even if he died in the way he did, it would have been a memorable death, perhaps uh, inspiring in some kind of way, but it would ultimately just have been a death. And Paul says it, I think, as as directly as anybody. This is also First Corinthians fifteen is um, the most sustained discussion on the resurrection in in the New Testament. So that's why I've been referring to that a few times. Yeah. But one of the verses there, Paul, it's chapter fifteen, verse seventeen. Paul says, "If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins." I think that's about as direct as it gets. It sure is. He also in that passage says, "Our preaching is in vain. Everything is. If if this didn't happen." He says we lose everything. And and Paul, if he's you know, he's not trying to sell us something here. He's saying no. there's room for there's wiggle room here to have your doubt. But the point of the fact is, if this didn't happen, then of course what I'm talking about, all that's written before me and everything that goes after me, doesn't make any sense at all. Well, I don't know if he's I don't know that I would say he's allowing wiggle room so much as he's acknowledging that it's a that it's okay. a difficult claim. Uh, he he acknowledges in there, you know, I know I know exactly what I'm claiming. I know how this sounds. It's hard to get your mind yeah, wrapped around yeah. it. But that doesn't mean that we walk away from it because it's difficult. In fact, we embrace it all the more closely because of how significant it is. So he he knew that as well as anybody. It's in Acts chapter 17. He's in Athens. He's talking with the philosophers and some of the intelligentsia, the academic elite of the day. He talks about the resurrection, and a, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them laugh at him and, and make fun of him. So there's a, there's a place where you see it's not as if— People back then were just simple-minded, and they believed things that we wouldn't now. No, it got, it got the same re- that got the exact same reaction you'd expect if a guy goes into the public square and says, I am staking my life in the hope of the resurrection of the dead. And people would say, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, thanks. Yeah, okay. So we celebrate this, right? We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, but still— there's fear and doubt. That's right, because we are in that time between the times, what, what some people call the already but not yet, where Christ has already been raised. We believe that he's already ascended, he's already enthroned, and yet he's not yet He's not yet returned. So there's that period where his kingdom has been inaugurated, we'll use that language sometimes, and yet not fully realized yet. So there's, there's definitely a, a time of tension there. There's this recognition that he, he is not here, he's risen, and yet... We've not yet seen the full effects of that brought to bear, which we won't until he returns to judge the living and the dead, usher in the new heavens and the new earth, all the wonderful promises of Scripture. So um, it, it, it can feel sometimes like you're in that, uh, that kind of space in between, because in a way we are. Sometimes when I read the Gospels and I, and I have that thought, when I have doubt, I, I become fearful. Do you ever feel that? I, I feel that. And I go, wait, wait, John. Yeah. And then I, you know— I sort of tumble a little bit. I want to. I want to believe, and of course, I do believe. But mm-hmm. then it does creep in, and I, I believe that the gospels take account of that psychologically, spiritually, for us in that. They do not. Not the gospels certainly, but even the psalms. Um, the fact that there are psalms in scripture, many of them, where you hear the psalmist crying out and saying, "I, I don't even understand what's going on." Psalm seventy-seven. I, we've talked about that here together <laughs> yeah. on the show before. I know is one of the best ones. Where it says, yeah. "I don't even understand what's happening," and the fact that. Psalms like that are included in Scripture. It's not an accident. That's very, I believe, intentional where God is showing this, too, is part of the human experience. And you need to know that even in those moments, my character is true and firm and steadfast. 
And the language you were using just a moment ago, John, I don't even know if you realize it. I mean, it, it comes almost directly from Mark chapter 10. There's this encounter where this man whose child is sick comes to Jesus and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. Yes. And that that is as short and genuine of a prayer as you'll find anywhere in, in Scripture. I believe, help my unbelief. I mean, that's exactly what you're saying there is, all right, I do believe, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I'm wrestling with these things. Sometimes it, I'm not sure. And I get scared in that. Sure. Well, if you look within the way Jesus responds, his first response is not, he, he doesn't, the man does not get chastised or um, he doesn't get yelled at or reprimanded or anything for that. I mean, we, I, I'm reading between the lines. We don't sure. know exactly, um, but we know Jesus didn't, it didn't do those things or it's not recorded there for sure. In fact, he ends up, the, uh, he ends up healing bringing the healing that the man was seeking for his child. So um, I, I think those kind of interactions and those moments show that, first of all, just go, go ahead and acknowledge that. I mean, if, you're, if, if that's your prayer, I believe, help my unbelief. You might, you might as well acknowledge it to God. He already knows, he already knows you're, he already knows <laughs> right, you're feeling right. it anyway. I'm good, God, yeah, and right. while your fingers are crossed. Yeah, yeah, you can fool your spouse yeah. or your friends or your neighbors. But, or yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and, and say it. Go ahead and acknowledge it. I mean, it's not, you're not going right. to scare God off, first of all. And, and you don't see, because we don't see the psalmist, see the man like this, get, uh, you know, lambasted or just chastised or, or, you know. Or even to see Thomas in his unbelief. Exactly. Hey, show yeah. me the proof. Yeah. And, and so to, to go ahead and say that and then just be receptive to how the Lord responds to that, um, there's, that, that he will provide some sense of. Always assurance or comfort or, or reminder about that. Maybe not as instantly as we'd hope, maybe not to the, with the degree of um, power sometimes that, that, that we're are hoping for, but, but it's there. I mean, he, he will do that. That's what he does. He is his steadfast love endures forever. And, and he wants us to know that. Yes. So the point is the resurrection is truth. It did happen. And Christ did return. Yes, and I mean this would open up a whole conversation for another thing, but it, it is also it's arguably the most consistently and comprehensively documented fact from the ancient world, and we can't really get into that now. There's a lot of writing and good work that's been done on that, so that's one avenue you can take with that. But even even with that, it's going to come down to being an article of faith, no matter how you slice it. Uh, we weren't there. Yeah, yeah, it's going to come down to being an article of faith, and it is something that God Himself attests to. It is something that the Spirit brings about a conviction in our hearts, even if there are times where we wrestle with it, we wrestle with what exactly that means or the full implications of it. Uh, it is something still that people like Paul and the disciples, uh, many of them actually did give their life for that. Paul, Paul said to, the, to Felix, the governor, he said, I, look, I know I'm on trial right now because of the resurrection, because of my hope in this and what I've been proclaiming. Uh, and men and women throughout the ages have lived and died in light of that hope. So yeah, it's, it's absolutely worth it. Uh, and it is something that is firm enough for us to stand upon. Josh Brown is with us. Josh is the pastor at Belfield Presbyterian Church. It's in Oakland, right across from the uh, the old Pitt bookstore. Hey, Josh, t- talk to us about about that for a second. I mean, it's different being on campus. Uh, there's a lot of different perspectives, especially now, right? It is, yeah. It's a fun place to be. I mean, we in, we are in the middle of campus, so we get the privilege of working with a lot of students. But we are it's a multi-generational church. We've got families from the whole greater Pittsburgh area that are part of things there, and that makes it a really uh, unique and fun, kind of fun place to be. So uh, we happen to be located in the university sector of Oakland, but we are a church for everybody and of all ages. And uh, it, it's, 
Yeah, it's a place where you get to engage with a lot of ideas and a lot of people with a lot of ideas. And uh, I think that makes it a fun place to be. Uh, It makes it a place to be able to just point with as much joy and constancy as we can to the hope that we have in Christ. Very nice. Josh, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, John. Always good to see you. Thank you. You as well. Josh Brown, senior pastor of Belfield Presbyterian Church. We'll take a break. we got lots more ahead. Sri Lanka, we're going to talk about that. Oh, there's also... um, a worship service, a prayer event this evening around that. So we'll give you details as the show goes on. Stick around. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy on Word FM. The Bible defines faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain for what we do not see. Hi, I'm Paul Bixler from Cornerstone Television. Forty years ago, God used my parents to start Western Pennsylvania's first Christian television station on nothing but faith and prayer. It took 10 years of struggle to get the station on the air. Launch Day was a true miracle. It was an amazing story of God's faithfulness. Now we're celebrating 40 years of broadcasting. So let me ask you, what are you boldly believing for? Here at Cornerstone Television, we've seen firsthand that faith works. And we want to encourage you to keep believing. Tune in for our Faith Works program, April 22nd through the 28th at 7 p.m for encouraging, life-changing messages. Let Cornerstone TV join you in believing for your miracle. Learn more at ctvn.org. Graduation Day is finally here. Celebrate their achievement and leave the catering to Bistro to Go in the Northside. From backyard family gatherings to glitzy affairs, their simply delicious creations are sure to impress. Fresh, unique, and artistically displayed. From crisp salads and fresh fruits to gorgeously grilled chicken or beef and delectable desserts. With vegan and gluten-free options. Reasonably priced, fully staffed, delivered, or ready to go. Celebrate success with Bistro to Go at bistroandcompany.com. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Five years ago, a National Barna Omni poll discovered that 77% of evangelicals believe we're now living in the end times as described by the Bible. But how can we really know? Don't miss the most comprehensive, in-depth, prophetic end time seminar anywhere. You'll be amazed at how much information God's Word provides. This informative end time seminar begins Saturday, May 11th in the morning at Christ Church at Grove Farm. To learn more, go to endtimeseminar.com. That's endtimeseminar.com. Mothers Against Drunk Driving supports victims of drunk driving, drug driving, and underage drinking at no charge. Call our 24-hour victim helpline at 877-MAD-HELP or visit mad.org. That's M-A-D-D dot O-R-G. Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Driven by Calusi Chevrolet. Serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Mostly cloudy tonight. We'll have some rain developing toward daybreak. The low tonight, 47. For tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a little bit of rain at times, high 68. Cloudy and damp tomorrow night with periods of rain along with an embedded thunderstorm, low 56. And for Friday, remaining mostly cloudy 
with occasional rain, a breezy day with a high of 61 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. have Judith Mason with me. Judith is the Vice President of Community Development at Dollar Bank, and she also directs the Home Ownership Program, also for Dollar Bank. Judith, we're happy you're here. How are you? Welcome. I'm fine. Thank Ju- you for having me. Yeah, sure. We're happy to do it. I'm interested to talk about this Mortgages for Mothers program. Tell me what it is. Well, this is our 21st year, and it's a free workshop that attracts about, I guess, 300 to 350 people who are looking to buy a home. Any of us who have purchased a home for the first time recognize that you're kind of entering into a whole unknown territory, a a land with words that you don't understand and figures that are shocking to you. And you really need someone who can shepherd you along the way. Yes? Yes. Okay, terrific. So if someone comes in and wants, you know, is interested in first time home ownership, and they felt the same way I did when I bought my first house thinking, you know, I need someone to explain the terms to me and tell me how the money's going to work and all that sort of thing. um, Mm -hmm. This is the program that does it for them. What makes this particular program, Judith, unique? Well, we're the only financial institution in Western Pennsylvania, Northern Ohio, that provides an in-house credit counseling service and restoration program. In this program, we can help you with your credit, like we mentioned before, your budget, help people can take control of their money, and what they're going to get is a fixed interest rate in an affordable home. Mm. Got it. Now, is this the kind of thing where you meet with people individually? Are there workshops that several people attend? How do you have it set up? Uh, We meet with people individually initially, and then you're phased into group meetings. Okay. Depending on what each group has to do. Okay. And so what kinds of things are you helping people to understand either one-on-one or in a workshop setting? Well, we're looking at their particular uh, problem that could prevent them from becoming a homeowner. And we're telling them what they need to do. A lot of people don't know how to uh, bring their scores up in six months. Mm -hmm. We do. And there's certain things that they should do with their credit. A lot of people have never tracked their spending. We teach that and budgeting. So there are specific groups. As you go through, people get closer to getting Mm pre-approved. Sure. And so we do the whole home buying process, the key players in the bank and in the real estate industry, and all the mortgage products that are out there. Got it. So this is an individualized approach that you're taking, which I'm sure is the only one that's really going to work long term. Um, I remember the first person that sat down with me to talk about my first mortgage. And um, gosh, you know, I still remember what she looks like. And so I'm sure that the impact you're making on people who are just trying to start out is invaluable. Now, how do people sign up, Judith, for something like this? They can go to mortgagesformothers.com, and there's also a phone number. It's 1-800-345-3655, and the key word is free. All right. Well, that's Judith Mason, Vice President of Community Development at Dollar Bank and also the Director of the Home Ownership Program, also for Dollar Bank. Judith, thanks so much for being with us today. WORD. Coming up on the next Adventure in Odyssey. Someone please get me out of here. 
Robin and Digger take an incredible journey in the Imagination Station. The Queen wishes to see you. And meet a wicked queen named Jezebel. Throw her into the palace prison until I decide what to do with her. Yes, Your Majesty. What? And a powerful prophet named Elijah. Go tell your master that I'm here. Don't miss the next exciting adventure in Odyssey right here. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. The kids across the hall could hear him snoring. Listen to Stephen Carey's story about Z-Quiet. I can't control it. I would try not to. I would try sleeping in different positions. I'd say, well, let me try wadding the pillow up and putting it behind my head this way, or I'm going to make sure I sleep on my stomach or sleep on my side. And I considered the surgery as well uh, because I figured there's no way some product on TV was going to fix a problem that I'd had. And so we buy it. It shows up. I put it in. Didn't have any trouble falling asleep. And remember waking up in the same bed and not having been nudged in the middle of the night. Yeah, you forgot it when we went to the cabin. That was not fun. No. <laughs> well, the only time he's forgotten to take it on an out-of-town trip, and I, it was like stepping back into time. <laughs> Z-Quiet works for both men and women. Go to GetZQuiet.com and enter promo code SLEEP to save 20%. That's GetZQuiet.com, promo code SLEEP. To save 20%. That's GetZQuiet.com. Promo code SLEEP. Coming this October to PPG Paints Arena. Don't miss Mercy Me. Word FM welcomes Mercy Me October 4th with special guest Crowder. Tickets on sale April 29th at 10 a.m. Visit the arena box office at PPGPaintsArena.com or Ticketmaster.com. Mercy Me with special guest Crowder on sale April 29th. Welcomed by Word FM. Hi, this is Carrie. I'm so excited for May 5th. Why? Because it's Compassion Sunday. My family sponsored a child a couple of years ago on Compassion Sunday at our church, and it's been the best thing we have ever experienced. And I'm excited because I want you to have that same experience. Would you join us? Just go to Compassion.com slash Sunday to find a church near you that's hosting Compassion Sunday. That's Compassion.com slash Sunday. Share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Long time ago in the the mid-60s, there was a best-selling book. It was on the New York Times best-selling list for a couple of years called I'm Okay, You're Okay. A self-help book by uh, an author, Thomas Harris, was a practical guide to transitional analysis, a method for solving problems in life. Because if I'm okay, then you've got to be okay. Uh, this was sort of like the, the, uh, the beginning of the New Age movement. And it spawned a lot of conversation, a lot of copycat. But th- that thing, that, that the sort of catchphrase found its way deep into the vernacular of what it was to be a 20 for, 20th century American. And so we are, I believe, still suffering the ills of that poor theology, horrific theology of I'm okay, you're okay. 
Um, Ann Kennedy's back with us. Ann is um, the author of a really funny book. It's a great book, actually. Nailed it. 365 Sarcastic Devotionals for Angry and Worn Out People. She blogs at PreventingGrace.com. She wrote a piece called, If You Want to Be Free, You Can Do Whatever You Want, which is essentially, I'm okay, you're okay. Hey, Ann, welcome back. Thank you. How are you? Good, real good. Happy Easter to you. Thank you. And uh, if you want to be free, you can do whatever you want. Um, you write that the consequences of divorce and infidelity, uh, all that, um, it, it seems to be okay. It seems to be charming today, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, I, the, I think we thought for a lot of decades that you could just exchange one person for another. It was no big deal. You could um, be sort of serial, mon- serially monogamous, um, but it didn't. There were no consequences for um, how many people you wanted to be with. Um, and I, it, I think we're, you know, it's, for the last several years now, we're starting to see that that there were huge consequences for um, thinking that your behavior, as long as you weren't hurting anyone else, that phrase. you could do whatever you wanted, um, that's turning out. I mean, I think Christians have always known that wasn't true, but I think the secular world is beginning to feel, try to put language around the fact that it's not true, and it's never been true. Right. So that's really interesting. The popular, well, I'm not hurting anybody, so whatever I'm doing really doesn't affect you at all, so why are you so upset about it? Because after all, I'm okay, you're okay. Um, Right, I'm okay. It's just, except that I'm not okay, I'm in psychic pain. And I'm screaming at you on the internet because I'm so not okay. Um, And uh, so I just, you know, you should make me feel okay because, um, you know, I'm really not okay anymore. Um, Spend 15 minutes on Twitter and then see how far I'm okay, you're okay took us. Um, you know, it lasted for, you know, several decades, yeah. but it, it, it's not, it's all coming apart finally for the secular world. But the secular world wouldn't see that as falling apart. They would see that at these the new freedoms, supposed, those new freedoms that are gained have made the world a better, uh, brighter, inclusive place for all people. I mean that's what we're t- that's what we're told, I and mean, we all have to agree to that, um, especially on social media. But except that we're not, you know, at an unprecedented rates of anxiety and um, mental illnesses and um, social breakdown and sort of sadness, general sadness, uh, cultural sadness. Um, y- you know, we keep saying that we're okay, but I think the 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 desire, I think there's some of the interesting um, cultural things that are happening right now around race and with Me Too are all signs that corporately as a culture we're finally seeing that the, all the freedom didn't make us, didn't make me feel better or you feel better. Right. Um, we're in a sort of a deep psychic pain. And this, but the solution now, which is interesting, is not for me to turn back and see, okay, well, maybe I'm not okay, and maybe I need somebody outside of myself to help me be okay. It's still, it's now to look to you and try to force your behavior uh, to conform to a certain kind of um, structure to make me be okay. So, you know, you have to call me the right words um, the proper in order for me to 
be okay. You, yeah, and you have to affirm me in, you know, you have to tell me that I'm okay. Um, and if you refuse to tell me that I'm okay, then, you know, I, I am really not okay. Um, so it's still, we still haven't gone, we haven't gone far enough away to finally look at Jesus, who of course says we're not okay, but doesn't leave us there. Right. Um, we're still looking, and we're still looking at ourselves, and we're looking now at other people and trying to force, coerce certain kinds of affirmation. Um, whereas we, I, you know, I'm bemused. I'm charmed by the the lie. Like you, you, you said that free sex was going to be great, and everyone was going to be happy. So how come everyone's so sad now? Mm-hmm. Um, how come we're having this? total societal breakdown because um, it was going to be wonderful um, and there were no consequences for it. Right. We just wanted to be free and left to our own devices and happiness would find our way. So, and you know, you're, you're like me, although you, know, you have uh, younger children that, than I do or Kath does, but you've got, uh, you know, a house full of kids and I'm sure this conversation comes up between you and your husband, who is a pastor, and you yourself, uh, you write and you speak uh, about the gospel and the, the power of the gospel. So when you talk about freedom and what happens in society, just around the dinner table, what, what does that look like for you as you, you know, reach across through the generation here and try to show the world, try to show your kids the, the air of the world? Well, I mean, one of the things I think that's hard to be a parent today, but that's absolutely critical, is is to see that virtue, that trying to be good, trying to do the right thing, even though we can't do it perfectly as human people, we need the grace of God, but trying and being conformed to Jesus brings a great um, freedom that actually Sinning against other people and against yourself and against your body is a is a difficult enslavement with with consequences that reach really far into the future. Um, and that if you if you let your life be conformed to the gospel, you um, you don't carry around a lot of you won't carry around a lot of junk, having hurt a lot of other people and yourself. And that virtue is beautiful. So um, you don't have to just keep yourself away from evil, but meditating on things that are really good and treating people really kindly is brings a great freedom to them, even though it's much harder than just doing whatever you want to do the minute you feel like doing it. Um, it it's hard, but it's, it's a sort of a glorious vision of um, life and the Christian life um, and you don't have to worry about offending other people if you're just seeking to be kind. Seeking to be kind. Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, I find myself, you know, if we're sitting around watching television as a family, which is always uh, fraught with uh, a lot of emotion. Right. I mean, it, it is, right? I mean, so I, right. and, and I, then I'll see something, you know, whether it's in a commercial or whatever, and I'll roll my eyes, and more often than not, I'll make a comment. But then when the comment comes out of my mouth, I go, John, don't be unkind. Be be kind. You know, don't be a snarky, sarcastic, goofy. You know, don't, don't go against that. And you know, because my children see that I'm not I'm not exhibiting 
the beauty of the gospel there. Instead, I'm just being negative and putting something down. So I have to be careful and put a lock on myself. And uh, it's become a struggle. So I, 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 you, I think a lot of people are like me, and I want a better response to that, to the stuff that we're being fed. Right. Well, and that does not, you're limiting yourself. So you're not really free when you choose to be, when you choose to put somebody else ahead of yourself and be kind to them, even when they don't really deserve it. Um, you're, you're limiting your freedom so that they can have, um, your, so that you don't have to hurt them. Um, which I think is really, really tough for today's culture where you're supposed to affirm yourself. You're supposed to, the highest good that you can um, have is to be fulfilled and express yourself. So, um, you know, in a world like that, I am always sort of a down. I can I can sound really down on my kids. Like I don't want you to express yourself. Um, I want you to. I, I really that. want you to limit your freedom right now. And, uh, I. I you're, um, yes. you're not all, you know, not, you're not, not everything about you is good and true and lovely. And I need you to stop. Yeah. Um, turn down the celebration. It, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a terrible balancing act between putting somebody, you know, being okay with who you are as a sinner and turning constantly to the grace of God and letting other people have a life and be free and, you know, and pursue goodness and beauty. Um, and the, certainly the television is an absolutely not great uh, place, place to <laughs> for spend. those. I mean, yeah. I do have to, mo- I do mock a lot of things on television so that they won't think that it's good. Um, it's, like, it's your parental uh, duty. It's my parental duty to say, I can't believe what that person is wearing. Wow, they must be really cold and feel miserable in that. Um, Yeah, a little bit of unkindness maybe. But, you know, I think trying to be a kid in today's world would just be so tough um, because you have to be okay and nobody is okay and – I think that that philosophy, the cracks in that are just, they're crumbling into the sea so fast. They sure are. Anne, thanks an awful lot. We always appreciate you being with us. Uh, Anne Kennedy, she's the author of Nailed It, 365 Sarcastic Devotionals. She blogs almost daily at preventinggrace.com. She wrote a piece, if you want to be free, you can't do whatever you want. I mean, after all, I'm okay. You're okay. But not really. We need the gospel. Moms, wow, aren't they special? Doesn't that word just warm your heart and make you feel loved? Hi, it's me, Marcia, from The Springhouse, and I am so blessed to get to work side-by-side with my mom every day in our family business. And right now, my mom and I are planning for a special day for you and your mom on Mother's Day. Every year on Mother's Day, we barbecue chicken quarters over the open pit outside with our secret butter sauce. Baked beans, corn pudding, coleslaw, macaroni salad, ho-ho cake, and more will abound inside 
side to go along with that tasty, tender chicken. When I was a teenager and we first started cooking for crowds, all my mom wanted for Mother's Day was for us five kids to help get ready to make this a special day for our guests. So bring your family and come hungry to enjoy the wonderful farm-fresh meal that we started all those years ago. Oh yeah, live music and free cones for moms too. Let us share a little of our farm with you. The Spring House in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. It's where the Sahara meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create my pillows, Giza Dreams bed sheets. Try them once, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow Dream Sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from my pillow. Do you dream of owning your own home? Dollar Bank's free Mortgages for Mothers workshop can show you how to break the rent cycle. You'll learn the right way to home ownership with a plan to strengthen your savings and create less debt. You can even get help with restoring bad credit. Join Lynn Hayes Freeland and Dollar Bank at the free Mortgages for Mothers Home Buying Workshop, Saturday, May 11th at 9 a.m. at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Child care will be available. To register, visit mortgagesformothers.com today. Dollar Bank, equal housing lender. They're not in it for the money. They don't do it for the fame. It's certainly not about the fringe benefits. No, for a Christian teacher, the real reward is found in the everyday triumphs of a child as they learn not only about their world, but discover their unique place in it. This is how love inspires learning. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net. Education for mind and soul. pittsburghchristianschools.net. Last couple of years, we've seen this, um, the statues coming down across the country. Well, this is interesting. In a move that will make a lot of people happy, I I love this. Uh, The people of Arkansas are sending American icon Johnny Cash and civil rights leader Daisy Bates to the United States Capitol to take the place of Confederate figures Uriah Rose and former Arkansas Governor James P. Clark. The uh, the Capitol's National Statuary Hall Collection, I love this, Have have you seen this? It features two statues from each state commemorating its historic natives. So uh, Rose and Clark have been Arkansas's chosen figures for almost 100 years, despite Rose's pro-slavery sympathies and Clark's racist views. So Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchison decided that the people of Arkansas deserve better, and the representatives who stood for all the people in his state writing that it was time to, quote, update the statues with representatives of of a more recent history. Johnny Cash was born in Dicey's, Arkansas, a small town about 31 miles outside of Little Rock. Uh, Cash's daughter, Roseanne Cash, was on hand for the announcement of the decision and said her father said, quote, uh, quite often that he loved every rock, every tree, every clot of earth in Dice, Arkansas. And uh, uh, Uriah Rose, she was a civil rights writer and activist who acted as a mentor 
to the famed Little Rock Nine, the nine black uh, kids who pioneered integration in the Little Rock Central High School in 1957. Her statue will join one of her fellow civil rights activists, Rosa Parks, which would have been Bates, uh, made, a, made Bates especially proud, according to her goddaughter, Janice Hill Brown, who said that they were sisters in the civil rights movement. So that's cool. Johnny Cash and uh, Uriah Rose are headed to the United States Capitol as part of um, the, uh, the Hall of Statuary. Very, very interesting. Yeah, you ever listen to uh, any of uh, Roseanne Cash's music? Um, she's fabulous in her own right. She's just a terrific songwriter, and she's got that Johnny Cash voice as well. Um, if you ever get a chance, or wherever you're listening to music, if you're streaming it or buying it, check out Roseanne Cash, uh, one of my favorites for a long time. Anyway, uh, we'll take a break, come back. We're going to reset with uh, news, weather traffic, and uh, pay a few bills. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court and the Harris Funeral Home case. Also, we're going to talk about uh, Sri Lanka, the Easter Massacre, which is horrific. Uh, Someone from Open Doors will join us to talk about that, about persecution worldwide. Stick around. This is The Ride Home here on Word FM. WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump says his White House will be fighting all the subpoenas issued by House Democrats. The president is criticizing congressional investigations into his administration and says he thought after two years we'd be finished with it. No, now the House goes and starts subpoenaing. They want to know every deal I've ever done. And don't expect any cooperation from the president. He says we'll be fighting all the subpoenas. That presumably includes the subpoena for Don McGahn, the former White House counsel who cooperated with special counsel Robert Mueller. Greg Clugston, Washington. A British security official has confirmed a report identifying one of the Sri Lankan suicide bombers as a man who studied in Britain between 2006 and 2007. The official confirmed a report by Sky News identifying the man as Abdul Latif Jamil Mohammed. On Wall Street, the Dow by 59 points. The Nasdaq dropped 19. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. The Bible defines faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain for what we do not see. Hi, I'm Paul Bixler from Cornerstone Television. Forty years ago, God used my parents to start Western Pennsylvania's first Christian television station on nothing but faith and prayer. It took 10 years of struggle to get the station on the air. Launch day was a true miracle. It was an amazing story of God's faithfulness. Now we're celebrating 40 years of broadcasting. So let me ask you, what are you boldly believing for? Here at Cornerstone Television, we've seen firsthand that faith works. And we want to encourage you to keep believing. Tune in for our FaithWorks program, April 22nd through the 28th at 7 p.m. for encouraging, life-changing messages. Let Cornerstone TV join you in believing for your miracle. Learn more at ctvn.org. If you take a look around your hometown, you might notice that there seems to be a mattress store on every corner, each with a different sale every weekend. Where do you start? And how do you know if you're actually getting a good value? 
Here at the Original Mattress Factory, what you see is what you get. You'll find our hand-built, high-quality mattresses at the same great price every day. Stop by one of our local factories or stores to experience the Original Mattress Factory difference. Great beds, no bull. The gimmicks, the flashy sales, and the big markups. Mattress stores have made the mattress shopping experience confusing on purpose. Ron Trzinski started the Original Mattress Factory to create a better way. He raised the bar on quality, offered hand-built mattresses for a fraction of the cost, and ditched the high-pressure sales tactics, all to create a better mattress buying experience for you. You could say he was the original disruptor. Stop by an Original Mattress Factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers. Your jewelers for life. I believe there are not very many schools that do this, at least to the extent that Jubilee does it. Through Jubilee Christian Schools All School Unit, students learn to become citizens of the world. They learn geography, politics, economics. They have a closing ceremony where each grade will either sing a song, present a little play. It's always, of course, integrated spiritually that we are all united as God's children and that we, of course, have a mandate to share God's love with everyone. Amen. Imagine, believe, achieve at jubileecs.org. Mostly cloudy tonight. We'll have some rain developing toward daybreak. The low tonight, 47. For tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a little bit of rain at times, high 68. Cloudy and damp tomorrow night with periods of rain along with an embedded thunderstorm, low 56. And for Friday, remaining mostly cloudy with occasional rain, a breezy day with a high of 61 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. We are live atop Green Tree Hill. Kath is uh, taking some time off, a couple days here or so. We'll see her t- towards the end of the week. <laughs> you ever do this? I'm sure you have. I um, I was enjoying a, a cold beverage during the uh, top of the hour there, during the break. And I'm now towards the bottom of it, and uh, there's some stuff in there, which is not the beverage. You ever do that? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know what you call it. But it's it's not of the beverage. So I've just been enjoying a cold beverage with some minutia in it. Hey, this time last week we were all uh, uh, grieving. I think a lot of us were grieving uh, the, uh, the the fire at Notre Dame. And of course, it's been a week. And I, I believe, as horrific as the fire is, uh, it, it could have been a heck of a lot worse, right? I mean, you th- I was reading an article today about. Um, the organ, the organ apparently is in pretty darn good shape, which is amazing. And of course, all the artwork and all that stuff—that's that's fine. But the the building itself, uh, President Marcon has said he hopes that the building will be completed, the restoration of the building uh, by 2024, which apparently when uh, France is hosting the Olympics. So that's good. 
billions of dollars. Isn't it interesting to follow along? People are saying, well, you're going to spend all this money. You should use the money for good, which is always obviously you know, a consistent argument. Yeah, whenever large sums are being built, you should give it to the poor. It should help the poor. There's, of course, a lot to be said on both sides of that uh, that conversation, that uh, that argument. But I, I've been thinking about this, though, that when when the Notre Dame was burning and the media was on site and you saw the, the shock, the, the look of Parisians, I wonder why it is that so many non-believers have grieved for Notre Dame. I mean, since it caught fire last week, uh, people's emotions, and I have friends who are in Paris, they've been buffeted by this turmoil of something that they would consider sacred, even though they themselves were not believers. They have found themselves passionately involved with the fate of of a church, which I love. Monday evening, as the flames raged, uh, a Reverend Jean-Marc Fournier, the priest who is the chaplain to the Paris Fire Department, he rushed into the cathedral. He rescued the crown of thorns said to have been worn by Jesus, which to me is also fascinating. I'm not sure I I believe that, but that's a whole other story as well. But they recovered a tunic that belonged to Louis IX, the sainted crusader who brought the crown back from the Holy Land. And then soon after that, uh, Reverend uh, Chaplain Fournay was being called a hero by institutions not tied to the church, such as the radio network Europe One and BuzzFeed. Meanwhile, as people, uh, young people congregated on the banks of the Seine, some weeping, certain, certain of them, uh, they sang and they prayed. The uh, progressive-leaning German daily uh, newspaper referred to them as pilgrims. Others appeared to be tourists and bystanders, seemingly surprised by the intensity of their own feelings. Um, Philip Larkin's poem. You ever read this poem? It's called Church Going. Of course, this is National Poetry Month. The Catholic would want you to know that. National, which evokes people gravitating by instinct to disused churches after religion and doctrine has died out. It's a wonderful poem. The guy writes it from a non-believing perspective, but it's still beautiful. But tears were flowing in every direction. I know many people here locally were just crushed by that. So I, I guess I have to ask, why? In a world that has become increasingly secular and far, far less Christian than our parents and grandparents, why were people people still heartbreaking about this? Here's the deal. Um, 6% of Parisians go to Mass weekly. Just 6%, down 35% half a century ago. So what is the deal? Does the building, and you know this is not true, the building, even though it represents something, that is not Jesus. There's a there's a restaurant here in town. Oh, uh, is it called? It's Church Brew Works. It's been around for a long time, decades. I remember it first opened, and my wife and I, we went in for lunch. I thought, oh, I'll go in there and sit down. I couldn't stay. Something about having you know, um, a sandwich in a church seemed odd to me. I, and of course, I've had sandwiches in church you know, downstairs, but not in the sanctuary. There's something that's holy about a church, even after the church has been deconsecrated or no longer used, which I, I think... There's a lot, of, a lot to be said for that. 
So the French are upset about Notre Dame, and they count it as part of their national heritage, probably the most visited site uh, in France, and that includes the Eiffel Tower. So a fire at Notre Dame shook so many to the core, and those traditions that are bound up with Christian belief lend that feeling, I believe, for a lot of people, though they would not admit this, to stability. For believers, of course, you and I, that's a reinforcement. Yes, the church, the physical stone of the church, there is something about that. That, you know, to go into a church that your parents attended or were baptized in, you yourself were baptized in, your children were baptized in, there is something that's good and right and holy about that, isn't there? There's a there's a place, a certainty. I mean, I'll go back to the church that I grew up in where both of my parents were had funeral masses. And I, and it strikes me that yeah, this is home. There is a lot to be with that. But in a, in a world that is increasingly secular, why is it that people who don't attend church in Europe somehow want to embrace that? To the tune of a billion dollars, almost immediately in contributions. And the fire at Notre Dame in some ways is harrowing in a way that feels religious, I believe, because it is religious. I think it forces us in some ways to understand France as those who created France and those who understood France. The people weeping on the banks of the Seine, they sensed that. They must have sensed that, even if they could not put into words exactly what they were weeping over. They were weeping over their faith, long ingrained in their DNA. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that as these things crumble around us, there are still many, many, young and old, who see this as an opportunity to come before the Lord, to humbly submit yourself, to ask for forgiveness and grace, and to be grateful in the presence of the Lord around you. Because he is here, of course, you know that, whether we choose to acknowledge him as a society or not. The relationship is real. Christ is with us, not just in a burning church, but in our burning hearts. We'll take a quick break, come back. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court with Alliance Defending Freedom Senior Counsel Jim Campbell talking about a funeral home. Stay with us, please. WORD. Where this weekend, the spotlight shines on the music of Amy Grant. Hi, Pittsburgh. This is Amy Grant. A career spanning over 40 years in contemporary Christian music. Amy Grant. She's great. She's great. She's really good. She's awesome. She's coming to Pittsburgh Saturday, May 4th to Amplify Church, Pittsburgh East Campus. And we're getting ready for the concert by playing Pittsburgh's favorite Amy Grant tunes. Great classic music. I just love it, yeah. Stay tuned this weekend for your chance to win tickets to the show from 101.5 WORD. My dad, a hardworking, regular blue-collar guy, a Korean War vet, a Pittsburgher, a Yinzer. He married, raised a family, and gave over 20 years of his life to one company. And that company filed for bankruptcy. I watched my mom and dad struggle at a late age, and it was tough, but they made it. For almost 30 years now, I, and now Ethan, have helped all the people that God entrusted to our management, putting together retirement blueprints, 
personalized, customized solutions that help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence, the way I wish that would have happened for my parents. I'm Kurt Kenotic. My company, Accurate Solutions Group, would love to help you. It's never too late. It's never too early. Just call 412-515-3555, 412-515-3555, or visit ASGRetire.com. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Hi, this is Tud Shulkin. Join me and head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin, Steelers players Vance McDonald and Stefan Tuitt, and pastors Brian Loritz and Ed Glover for Man Up Pittsburgh on Saturday, June 8th at Victory Family Church in Cranberry. Man Up is a day for all men to work on becoming the best godly leaders they can be. There will be free food, fellowship, worship, powerful messages, and dynamic breakout sessions. From high schoolers to grandfathers, this is for you. Register today at manuppittsburgh.org. Hosted by Urban Impact and brought to you locally by Chick-fil-A of Pittsburgh. Hi, this is Carrie. I'm so excited for May 5th. Why? Because it's Compassion Sunday. My family sponsored a child a couple of years ago on Compassion Sunday at our church, and it's been the best thing we have ever experienced. And I'm excited because I want you to have that same experience. Would you join us? Just go to Compassion.com slash Sunday to find a church near you that's hosting Compassion Sunday. That's Compassion.com slash Sunday. The Supreme Court is going to weigh in who has the power to rewrite the law. Jim Campbell is with us. Jim serves as the senior counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom, where he focuses on appellate litigation. Since joining ADF in 2007, Jim Campbell has worked on many issues, including defending freedom of conscience and religious freedom in Masterpiece Cake Shop Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Jim Campbell successfully defended cake artist Jack Phillips. Jim is also admitted to the state bars of Ohio and Arizona. He is also admitted to multiple federal district and appellate courts, including the United States Supreme Court. Jim, welcome back to the show. My pleasure. Jim, uh, this case, the R.G. and G.R. Harris funeral home case, is a fascinating case for, for many reasons. I've got a small personal connection, only that I worked and lived in a funeral home. It put me through college. So I understand what it is to be uh, around uh, the sacredness of the dead and the respect that those people deserve, the families, the grieving families, as they go through this process. So won't you tell us the story of the uh, RGGR Harris Funeral Home and what this case entails, please? Yeah, Harris Funeral Homes is a small family-owned company that has been serving grieving families in the Detroit, Michigan area for over a century. Uh, number one, first and foremost for them, is putting the interests of grieving families first. Yes. So in 2007, the funeral home hired a male funeral director for five years. Uh, that employee uh, worked for them and then came in one day and announced his intention to begin dressing and presenting as a woman while interacting with 
uh, the grieving families in violation of the company's dress code. Hmm. Uh, so Harris, uh, Harris's owners determined that allowing that would not be in the best interest of uh, the families, and as a result, uh, the federal government, uh, an, an entity known as the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, has been suing Harris Funeral Homes ever since. Wow. The Equal Employment Opportunities Commission. So so they're saying, well, this, this person who has transitioned now from male to female has a right to their job, even though the presence of that person who's transitioned would be disruptive to the grieving families. I mean, essentially what the federal government is trying to do here is to use a lawsuit to change the law. The federal law prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex, but what they're trying to do is redefine sex to mean gender identity. And so, but doing that raises a whole host of problems. Um, For example, when you take gender identity and place it in a law like that, all of a sudden it compromises the, the dignity and privacy of uh, women who are now forced to share uh, locker rooms and uh, other sorts of uh, restroom and privacy facilities with men who identify as women. It also undermines opportunities that are available for women in college and high school sports when they're now forced to compete with boys who identify as girls. I see. So this law goes back to 1964. And of course, when the law was crafted, no one who was doing the work would ever imagine where we'd be in 2019. Uh, That's certainly true, and the language that they used was very specific, and it still has a particular meaning today, and that is no discrimination because of sex. Well, sex is a biological term. It refers to whether we are male or female based on biology. Gender identity is a very different idea. It, it, It determines whether someone is male or female based on subjective perceptions. It's something that's difficult to define. So to take that concept and to place it in the law creates a whole host of problems that, as I mentioned, a number of them before, um, compromises uh, the dignity and privacy of, of folks using locker room and restroom facilities, as well as undermining religious freedom and rights of conscience by, for example, forcing doctors to participate in gender reassignment surgeries uh, and other things of that nature. Right. Okay. So, so then there's the case, but then there's the larger case as well that sort of circles around the case. So a couple of different things are, are, are moving at the same time. That would be, is it difficult when something like this happens to present before the Supreme Court and say, you know, this is a settled law, this is what's being proposed and, you know, do you get my point here? There's a lot of different moving parts here. There's one thing, but there's also other things around that. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you get to the Supreme Court, um, there, are, of course, is the case that's before the court, but the court itself sets the law for the entire country. And so there's always a broader issue with broader implications. And here, when we have a law that's in place to stop sex discrimination, that is a good thing. Yes. So redefining sex to mean gender identity hurts that goal, and it actually creates big problems in the process. Hmm. So, so Jim, whether it's the um, the Masterpiece Cake Shop or the Harris Funeral Home case, it's interesting. We've reached a, a new sort of plateau here where sex and sexuality have sort of taken center stage in many Supreme Court cases. That, that's fair to say, isn't it? 
Uh, I, I do think that there have been a number of Supreme Court cases over the last decade or so that have, have raised those sorts of issues. I think that's right. So, so how, what happens then? How do you, representing Alliance Defending Freedom, when you prepare for this case? And, of course, the, the case goes before the Supreme Court when? Uh, it likely won't be argued until the fall of of, uh, of uh, 2019. I see. So then, will will you, or has that been decided yet? Who will who will be the point man for the case? The uh, our our vice president of appellate litigation, John Birch, will be arguing the case for us. I see. And so then, can you describe what that process is like? A team of lawyers will come around and sit and build the case and then try to poke holes in the case because you're going to be having to defend yourself from your point point of view. What does that look like? I mean, what kind of a timeline? How does that work? So first, the, the parties file written briefs with the court, and then the parties show up and make a, a oral argument in front of the justices where they have to answer questions. And here, what we're going to be arguing to the court, among other things, is that Federal agencies uh, like the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, they don't have the power to rewrite federal law. That's the job of Congress. And so for what's going on in this case is that we have federal agencies trying to achieve a political goal through a lawsuit instead of going to Congress and doing the hard work of getting a law properly changed. I see. That's really interesting. So if this case were to fail, right, from that perspective, that they, they could not change the laws, is that even a distinct possibility that Congress would engage in changing laws, or will we see other cases come up the same way? Well, we we don't think that Congress should uh, embrace this law or this change in the law that's being, that's being sought, because, again, while stopping sex discrimination is a good thing, yeah. redefining sex to mean gender identity undermines that goal and creates other problems such as uh, undermining you know the, the dignity of people in private spaces as well as undermining freedom of conscience for a whole host of people throughout society it's really complex isn't it something it would seemingly that our parents or grandparents would go well this is pretty simple this is pretty clear-cut but it, it, in, in today's day and age anything is but uh, yes <laughs> things are uh, particularly when they reach the Supreme Court, they they usually don't get there if they're very easy. Uh, And so, uh, but here, I mean, the issue is pretty straightforward. And that is, if a change like this is ever to occur, which is a significant change with widespread consequences throughout the law, is that, is that something that just unelected bureaucrats at a federal agency can do? Or is that something that only Congress can do? And that's a, that really is a basic question uh, that we, most of us learned in our, in our elementary school, you know, social so, uh, history class and, and other things where we learned about, about American government. So while there are some complex issues at the core, the question is, can a federal agency rewrite federal law? And the quick answer is no, they cannot. Yeah, so I guess we won't find out until sometime perhaps next summer whenever the, uh, the case is settled. That's probably a safe bet. Yeah. I see. Hey, Jim, uh, take a second and talk to our audience about Alliance Defending Freedom. Obviously, you know, just from this conversation, the work is very interesting and it's necessary to uh, ensure that our rights are upheld uh, effectively in the courts across the country. 
Yeah, so Alliance Defending Freedom is an organization that's been around for 25 years. Uh, first and foremost, we defend the freedom of people to uh, live out their faith and to uh, speak their mind on in the important issues of the day. Um, so if anyone's interested in learning more about us, they can go to our website. That's adflegal.org, adflegal.org, and they can learn about the various cases we're working on, as well as the, the recent cases that we've won at the Supreme Court. Outstanding. Hey, Jim, thanks a lot. We really appreciate your work and your advocacy for Christians across the country. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Jim Campbell, Alliance Defending Freedom Online, adflegal.org. Hey, this week, TBN, the largest Christian television network in the world, launches its first daily TV show made particularly for women. Better Together is what it's called, and it features different faces and different voices each day. You'll see Christine Kane, Laurie Crouch, Victoria Osteen, Carrie Job, Lisa Harper, and others, all in conversation about things that matter to women. I'm not talking makeup tutorials or room renos. You're going to see and hear women talking about heart issues, friendship, identity, social media, intimacy with God, kids, family, how to hear God's voice. It'll be women talking together about the things you want to talk about, too. So don't miss it. TBN's Better Together, coming up April 22nd. Now that the Easter break is over at Grove City College, like it is over all colleges across the country, everyone now, the students, are looking forward to final exams. And, you know, if you've been to college, whether it's been just a few years ago or decades ago, everybody knows what it's like <laughs> to suffer through the fear and the anxiety uh. of college final exams. The year is coming to a close. Hallelujah. But those finals, that is a whole other rub. Yeah, and here's the thing. It's important to be able to be balanced when you're working that hard. Yes. And I think one of the problems in our current society is that we're raising kids who aren't balanced. They're either way too driven and they have all sorts of emotional problems because of that, or they're too lazy. They're watching, you know, you're doing video games and hanging out in your basement with instead of working. We want something in the middle where we want healthy kids who can work really hard and be well prepared while at the same time being able to not have that tax them to a point where they're unhealthy. That's the point that Grove City College is going for, because they want to give kids not just the support of faculty, which they have during finals, the support of the counseling staff there if it's needed, but they also have a great college community of friends willing to come alongside each other and get through a period like finals, which is hard for everybody. I'm into that. Finals are underway at Grove City College. Think about next year gcc.edu. I have never had a female dentist. I started to have problems with a tooth, and I thought, you know what? I'll just go once. David remembers his first visit with Dr. Megan Stock. I had such a good time that I'm surprised they allowed me to come back because I had a lot of things that needed to be fixed. She makes you feel so calm and so comfortable. She's just terrific at what she does. I have had no discomfort at all with anything that she's done. Perry Highway in Wexford at Stock Family Dentistry Com. Graduation Day is finally here. Celebrate their achievement and leave the catering to Bistro to Go in the Northside. From backyard family gatherings to glitzy affairs, their simply delicious creations are sure to impress. Fresh, unique, and artistically displayed. From crisp salads and fresh fruits to gorgeously grilled chicken or beef and delectable desserts. With vegan and gluten-free options. Reasonably priced, fully staffed, delivered, or ready to go. Celebrate success with Bistro to Go at bistroandcompany.com.
Mostly cloudy tonight. We'll have some rain developing toward daybreak. The low tonight, 47. For tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a little bit of rain at times, high 68. Cloudy and damp tomorrow night with periods of rain along with an embedded thunderstorm, low 56. And for Friday, remaining mostly cloudy with occasional rain, a breezy day with a high of 61 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for coming along today. The Bucks in town tonight. Are they playing baseball at uh, PNC Park? I do not know. Um, listen to this. Uh, <laughs> for an animal that's covered in mucus and nicknamed the snot otter, the eastern hellbender salamander is awfully picky about where it lives. Polluted rivers and streams, along with dams and loss of habitat, have uh, significantly reduced the population of the eastern hellbender across eastern United States. They've been considered for addition to the federal endangered species list, and a 2003 study was redacted, like the Mueller report, to keep the location secret from illegal pet trades. What? It's a demand for that? So uh, Tuesday of this week, the governor of Pennsylvania signed a law naming the hellbender, which is two feet long, nocturnal, and also known as the devil dog, the Allegheny alligator, and the lasagna lizard, the state's official amphibian. So now Pennsylvania has an official amphibian, though it might be uh, one with a uh, best nickname. The hellbender won't be the first of its kind so to be so honored. At least 20 other states recognize an official amphibian. Uh, apparently uh, there was a handful of Pennsylvania legislators just a handful, handful, who objected to the Hellbell, uh, Hellbender bill, considering it a waste of time, you think. But uh, Senator George Yaw, who sponsored the bill after it was proposed by students who had studied ways to protect Chesapeake Bay, said the pollution-averse Hellbenders were worth recognizing because they were, quote, a natural indicator of clean water. It's the symbolism, he says, that the hellbender carries with it about Pennsylvania's commitment to clean water. Several other states have also honored obscure animals, but uh, Pennsylvania is the latest. Okay, so congratulations to the snot otter. Pennsylvania, the Keystone State. And uh, apparently uh, the government government gets involved in some really weird things, don't they? What Government should just help its citizens. I'm not quite sure. Well, I guess uh, I guess you can make a case, right, that the snot otter is helping. Look, you want to know if water's clean or not? Is anything living in the water? Wait, Mike, you're shaking your head. What? <laughs> the snot. What's it called again? The snot otter. The snot otter. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, look, um, I lived, uh, I, as a kid, lived in, in Frick Park. Now, they used to call the creek that ran through there something that was unprintable. You know, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. they call it Stink Creek. Yeah. Look, nothing has lived in that creek for a long, long time. Now, the work that's being done by the environmentalists in that area, the watershed people, Chesapeake watershed people, excellent. And that that's body of water, that creek that runs through Frick Park, has really been revived. So much so that there are things living in that in that creek. I don't know if the snot otter is in there. I would hope he would be. That'd be a wonderful thing. Or she. I don't mean to discriminate. He or she. Um, the snot otter, Mr. and Mrs., whomever they may be. God bless you both, snot otter. May the snot otter long run, long live the snot otter. Um, 
How did you get on that? How'd you... Anyway, I mean, I, I thought government was supposed to be in the business of ensuring that people live live better lives, right? Protecting us from the environment and uh, not the environment, from the environmental things that uh, can dissuade a good and, and, and perfect life, if there is such a thing. So anyway, so now uh, the government is drafting new guidelines uh, for reporting UFOs. So amphibians on one end and UFOs on another. I don't know how you feel about that. Mike, uh, are you a believer? Mike, uh, are you a believer in UFOs? I'm pretty sure the snot otter. Was, wait, wait, hold on. There I'm, you go. I'm pretty sure the snot otter was a type of a uh, of an alien. No, 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 it's not? That right. no. no, but I do believe in UFOs. You do. I do. do. That there are aliens out there. There's got to be something out there. Why is that? Why? Why do you believe that? There's some. There has to be something out there. I mean, I don't want to get too um, heady, uh, uh, mystical. You ever heard of the Nephilim? No, I do not. No, No. they're talked about in the Old Testament. The Nephilim. Oh, oh, yeah. Of course. Yes. 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 The giants. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, I had a professor in college believed he believed that the Nephilim were Were. basically aliens Hmm. or are aliens. I see. And they're obviously not around anymore because of the flood. And he thinks that they transported into the universe somewhere. Right. Okay. Well, oh, so. Now, we work with people. We've had this discussion down mm-hmm. the uh, other end of the hallway where I, I work with people. So do you. That They go, there is no way that we are, we are God's one and only creation. There is no way that there's other creation. But I, I believe, now I believe this, that our God is a creator. His right. Uh, one of his major instincts, of course, is to create. Yeah. Instinct. I can't call it an instinct. Is to create. He is the creator. So when you look at the vastness of this universe, how could he just create us and go, right. I'm done. Yeah. That's okay. You guys are pretty much good. There's got to be something out there. I believe so, too. I do. Are you afraid of that out there? Um. Like if we're like you know because you know we've been we've been sending signals out into outer space yeah. in the hopes of finding someone. I'm of the mindset I don't necessarily want to be found. Because I don't. Then, yeah. I don't then, either. Then what happens if we're yeah. found? Right. Or are we already known? I mean, if the the, f- the first time I ever got I ever got freaked out by the Nephilim, the possible fact that there are UFOs out there. Is, I had a uh, I had a professor in college. He he used to work for NASA, and. Somebody asked him the question, hey, are there aliens out there? And he, he said, I'll talk to you after class. Oh, come on. He, he talked he, to you after class? He would, what? Not, he would not talk about it. He would not talk about it. So It's like an Area 51 yeah, kind of thing. seriously. And he, he basically, one of my friends asked him, are aliens a threat? He said, well, I'll talk to you no, but no, because a threat is something that you, actually, you can actually do about. So- in other words, he was saying they're so big and powerful. Yeah. We got we have nothing to, right. to defend ourselves. Exactly. What's like the, the uh, what's the movie? Oh, Transformers. Yes. Like we're going to take on the Transformers. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Bring on Optimus Prime, man. Oh no, that's please on. don't bring Optimus Prime in here. Do you have like a favorite like a uh, space picture? Do you like a little sci-fi thing? I don't. I however, I always wanted one of the uh, the, the famous posters of uh, or the famous pictures of the the astronaut. Stepping onto the moon, like the like the famous footprint. You just want the the footprint. Yeah. Why is with, it just, or in with the flag in the background as well? That's cool. You know, Buzz Aldrin. This is before you were here. Buzz Aldrin was on our show a couple of times. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, he's this you know famously the second man to walk on the moon. He's a wild thing. I mean, that was a, our first conversation, which shocked me. He talked. Buzz Aldrin did about 
the first thing he did after they landed and shut the space, you know, the lunar module down, mm-hmm. he gave himself communion, which I think is so. That's fabulous. It is. I mean, that's the first the first thing eaten on the moon, the body and blood of Christ. That's amazing. So that's super cool. It's super there, cool. Does he have a picture of that? Because that would have been cool. Uh, I don't know if there's a picture of that, but I've seen what I've seen is the um, I think he had he was an Episcopalian at the time. Okay. He belonged to the Episcopal Church, Buzz Aldrin, which the second time I brought this up, our second conversation, uh, maybe a year or so later, yeah. he disavowed all all Christian really? faith. Really? Yeah. That's too bad. It is. But at the time, he was an Episcopal, uh, Episcopalian, <laughs> and in his on his shoulder, he had like a little pouch, a little, and he opened it up, and inside was a little tiny like vial of wine and a small host. How about and, that? Yeah. And so his priest, his Episcopal priest, gave him the, the bread and the wine. That's amazing. It's fabulous. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got on that from aliens, from aliens. aliens yeah. to bread and water or to bread and uh, the host, uh, the wine on the surface of the moon. All right. A- a- anyway, um, the uh, snot otter. <laughs> the snot otter. Uh, long live the snot otter. Look, well, we need clean water. We want to make sure that uh, there's clean water in the... Uh, in the area here, right? Of course, you want clean water across the country. Is there a picture of, of the snot otter on the on the on the article? Uh, yes, there is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What does it What does it look like? Like a regular otter? If, if you would think of a snot otter, this is something like that, <laughs> right? It, it's it's apparently covered in mucus. So, long live the snot otter, because you want to have clean water wherever you go, right? So, can't have that as a pet. No, no. Oh, you, well, you apparently they they are because they're they're saying they're hiding the locations of this in your house. People have what do you mean? People have all kind of stuff in their house. Snot tracking all over the all the. No, you put them in like just in a little you know bathtub or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, come back. We're going to talk about the horror of of Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka. More than three hundred and fifty people. Uh, believers were killed as they worshipped. We'll talk about that next. Stick around. It's the ride home with John and Kathy. WORD. What are your kids doing this summer? Well, Focus on the Family is offering them a free downloadable PDF of Wooten's Wacky Word Games and Activities for hours of fun. You could also win the Adventures in Odyssey Summer Family Getaway in Colorado Springs. This is so awesome! Enter today for the Adventures in Odyssey VIP Experience Getaway. Go to wordfm.com slash adventure. It's where the Sahara meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create my pillows, Giza Dreams bedsheets. Try them once, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow Dream Sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from my pillow. 
Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the 2019 Shaft Lectures, May 1st at 4.30 and 7.30 p.m. This year, featuring Dr. James K.A. Smith, Professor of Philosophy at Calvin College, an award-winning author and regular contributor to the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and Christianity Today. Dr. Smith will address discerning the spirits of formation on the centrality and risk of Christian practices. Free and open to the public. Get details at pts.edu. New message. Your social security number has been suspended. If you do not contact us, your account will be deactivated. Scammers are aggressive when they contact a potential victim. Social Security Administration employees will never threaten you for information or promise benefits in exchange for information. In those cases, the call is fraudulent and you should just hang up. Don't provide any personal or financial information to these thieves. Call the Social Security Fraud Hotline at 1-800-269-0271. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Easter Sunday. People are worshiping and praising the risen Lord, and then death and destruction rains down. That's exactly what happened in Sri Lanka. I think the death toll is somewhere around 350 people. Here to talk to us about Sri Lanka and the work that Open Doors is doing around the world. Open Doors USA, a community of Christians who come together to support the persecuted church. Sarah Cunningham is with us. Sarah is the Senior Director of Communications for Open Door. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for coming along today. Thanks for having me, John. I really appreciate you bringing awareness to what's happening in Sri Lanka. It's been a sad week. It's horrible. Uh, Sarah, for our audience who may be uninformed, tell us what happened on Easter Sunday. Sure. Um, Easter morning, while worshipers were celebrating Easter in Christian churches around the country, three of the churches were intentionally attacked in um, Colombo, Nagumbo, and Batacaloa, which means... They were targeting churches on both the east and west side of the country, as well as hotels where uh, international tourists were um, celebrating Easter, Easter-themed breakfast there. So it was um, just an unprecedented attack for Sri Lanka. It, the death toll is up to 350, and I believe over 500 uh, have been injured. It's horrible. So uh, ISIS has come out, and they've claimed responsibility for this attack. They're saying it's in response to what happened to Christ Church in New Zealand, uh, which is a crazy way to live your life, tit for tat of uh, of massacre and terrorism. Um, so Open Doors has been in Sri Lanka. They've done work there. Obviously, uh, there are people there who are believers who are connected with Open Doors. Uh, can you talk about that, uh, about those connections? Because you're hearing things firsthand on the yeah. ground that other organizations aren't. Absolutely. In fact, the last couple of days, we've been communicating back and forth with our field team in Sri Lanka. Um, The day of the attacks, one of our team members tried to go and begin to assess the situation at the bombing sites. But you may have heard uh, that day in Sri Lanka, the government imposed a curfew of 8 p.m., turned him away, and uh, traffic was just insane anyways, because 
people were both fleeing the bombing sites yeah. and people were going in trying to find information about, you know, loved ones who may have been possibly injured. And so it just created this chaos. And then on top of it, the government also shut down social media as well as messaging apps that many people in that area use for communication. And so it just created a very challenging scenario for our team. But I can report that they've been able to visit some of the sites at this point and meet with Christian community leaders uh, there, uh, even attended some funerals yesterday. I see. So Open Doors does something called a, a world watch list. And uh, reading about uh, Sri Lanka and the work that Open Doors does there, uh, they're apparently number 46 on your watch list. Talk to us about what that means and why this is surprising that Sri Lanka was targeted. Yeah, it was really unprecedented. The type of persecution that we have typically seen over the last few decades that Open Doors has been present in the area has been um, more everyday harassment um, between the the Buddhist majority in the country and people who convert away from Buddhism to Christianity. They've been excommunicated from their families, maybe discriminated against a job. Sometimes there have been protests outside of churches, or people have been pressured to recant their faith. But nothing of this scale or severity, um, which it kind of tells you that, that it's number 46 on our list. And we would expect this in one of our top 10 countries, but this is you know, fourth from the bottom. Wow. So uh, as I'm reading today uh, about the bombing, uh, I saw an article at Reuters, and they say that, uh, quote, most of the bombers are well-educated, come from economically strong families. Some of them went abroad for studies. So these are not, you know, your typical jihadists who are coming from areas of poverty. These are well-educated, financially secure people. To me, I think that's even more worrying. Yeah, that's very disconcerting. I think anytime we see human beings targeted um, specifically because of their choice to worship, it's it's um, a very poor reflection about the stability in that part of the world, and we consider it a fundamental human right to worship freely. And so to have educated people infringing on that right and deciding that not only are they going to harass, but they're going to take the lives of hundreds of people uh, simply because uh, they adhere to the Christian faith, it's, it's it's truly shocking. It surely is. The world especially. Okay, so they said, you know, uh, this is a response to Christ Church in New Zealand. I mean, this just can't, is it? I mean, just goes back and forth and back and forth and back. There's a holy war that's taking place here, and I, I don't, you know, I don't think that's an exaggeration when you see two sides of of different faiths go at it and mass murder each other. I mean, that's it's insane. I mean, how do you even come to some sort of understanding whenever there's jihadists and propaganda floating around the world and people are just acting on pure emotion? One of the things that helps me process the most is actually the example of the persecuted Christians themselves, because even though many of them have told us they're shocked, they're heartbroken, they cannot even conceive how their churches were targeted out of the blue with this kind of violence, we're also hearing a kind of a peaceful resolve emerging where community leaders are urging the public not to retaliate and inflame the hostility. Uh, believers are meeting to pray around the country. Uh, church services stopped and prayed for the victims as word spread. 
And also, we're hearing that Christians are ready to attend church on Sunday if the government permits it. And I, I know for someone like myself who lives here in the free world and is able to, you know, easily drive down the road to any number of churches where I would be unchallenged in, in worshiping on a Sunday morning, that's hard to conceive that even though they've seen this massive effort to target people in churches, they're ready to attend again this Sunday. Good. Well, th- this evening here in the city of Pittsburgh uh, at Heinz Memorial Chapel, right in the heart of Oakland, there is a, an interfaith uh, a prayer vigil for the victims of the Sri Lanka massacre. It starts in just a little bit. As a matter of fact, we talked about this a little earlier. It starts at 6 o'clock. So if you're in the vicinity, please stop by uh, Heinz Memorial Chapel. So, uh Sarah, take take a moment, please, and talk to us about Open Doors. You've been doing this. Uh, Open Doors has been really a force in the world for many, many decades. What is your aim? Yeah, that's right. Let me first mention that um, at opendoors.org slash SL, there are ways that the public can contribute to our emergency response efforts with victims in Sri Lanka. Um, but I would love to tell you about Open Doors because it's it's been a life-changing experience to even work here. You may be familiar with Brother Andrew, as he's called, oh, yeah. Andrew Vanderbilt. He's actually 90 years old, uh, almost 91 right now, um, incredibly. But he is best known because he authored a book called The God Smuggler, and it chronicles his journey of smuggling Bibles into communist country during the height of the Cold War. Hmm. And from there, he turned his attention to the Middle East, very much predicted before some of these hostilities emerged with militant Islam and made really valiant efforts to literally walk into camps that were occupied by militants and tell them that he had a message for them from Jesus Christ. So this is a powerful man and a powerful story, and his organization has, um, through, no, through no vision of his own, he only ever set out to be a one-person adventure. Uh, his vision has attracted so many people around the world that there are now uh, we're now active in over 60 countries and there are many bases uh, around the world oh, working incredible. to support persecuted Christians to this day. Wow. So uh, you said Brother Andrew's in his 90s. How's he doing? Yeah, he's doing fairly well. Uh, unfortunately, his wife, uh, Corey, did pass away last year. And so, of course, that's um, just an awful sure. thing to walk through. But at the same time, he's even gone on a couple of trips that I think uh, I can't even talk about, but um, that are inspiring to me that he continues to care about the persecuted world, even at this late stage in life. Wow. Well, God bless Brother Andrew. I mean, it's amazing to think that one person starts this revolution of peace and prayer that spreads around the globe, which you, now you're part of, and you know we're talking about it here. So, so uh, Sarah, if people want to be part of Open Doors and part of that mission, they can do what? They can go to opendoorsusa.org. There's lots of opportunities to engage. There are always opportunities to write letters to encourage persecuted Christians who oftentimes feel isolated and alone. There are opportunities to post prayers that we're then able to share with the people who are being impacted, who will never hear us speak prayers over them personally. Uh, there's definitely a lot of information that will help raise awareness. And there's opportunities to volunteer, to be a voice for the persecuted church in your own local congregation. And finally, one of my favorite 
favorite ways is we have a prayer app that's on both Apple and Android. Cool. It's called Pray for the Persecuted, and you can find that on our website too. But it sends you, just like an old-fashioned prayer chain, it sends you a visual and a little story about someone uh, that needs prayer right then that day. And we maybe send three or four a week, um, like the Sri Lanka prayer request came right Easter Sunday morning. We had Americans around the country praying for what was happening in Sri Lanka because of the prayer app. Nice. Opendoorsusa.org, that's it? Yeah, and um, opendoorsusa.org slash SL is where those Sri Lanka efforts will be held. Very nice. Well, Sarah, um, thanks a lot. I mean, I really admire you and the work that Open Doors is, uh, USA has done around the world. So uh, even though it's a, a brutal time for us to get together, I just want to tell you I appreciate the work. So uh, keep it up. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, the pleasure is ours. Open Doors USA uh, and the work that's happening in Sri Lanka. You think about that. I mean, 350 people Easter morning worshiping Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, and then bombs, explosions, and, uh, you know, young children, old people, and just the horror of it all. So so peace be with you. And uh, to pray for those victims, as I said a little earlier, uh, Heinz Memorial Chapel this evening, just in a few minutes, it's underway, the interfaith um, a prayer a gathering for the people who were affected by the Sri Lanka bombing massacre. We'll take a break uh, in just a few minutes, regroup. So I uh, hope you stick around with us. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. If you snore, the first time you use Mute can be quite an experience. (laughs) I can breathe. I can breathe. Snoring can happen when your nose is blocked, forcing you to breathe through your mouth. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device designed to increase airflow through the nose by gently opening the airways. Thanks to Mute, you get all the air you need through your nose and not your mouth, which means less snoring and more chance of sleep. Oh, that's the best night I've had in years. In trials, 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute. Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. To find your local store or for more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the 2019 Schaff Lectures, May 1st at 4.30 and 7.30 p.m. This year, featuring Dr. James K.A. Smith, Professor of Philosophy at Calvin College, an award-winning author and regular contributor to the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and Christianity Today. Dr. Smith will address discerning the spirits of formation on the centrality and risk of Christian practices. Free and open to the public. Get details at pds.edu. Buying locally made products is a simple act that can have a tremendous impact on a local economy. Since our company was founded nearly 30 years ago, the original Mattress Factory has offered quality mattresses that are hand-built in our own factories and sold directly to you. Plus, we're not just locally made. We're also locally owned by our employees who live, work, and play in the same communities as you. So stop by an Original Mattress Factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the difference local makes for yourself. Right here in Pittsburgh. Coming this October to PPG Paints Arena. Don't miss Mercy Me. Word FM welcomes Mercy Me October 4th with special guest Crowder. Tickets on sale April 29th at 10 a.m. 
Visit the Arena Box Office at ppgpaintsarena.com or ticketmaster.com. Mercy Me with special guest Crowder on sale April 29th. Welcomed by Word FM. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store. You ever get something like, you know, stuck in your head and you can't get rid of it? I saw a sign yesterday for Taco Tuesday. I cannot get a taco out of my head. I just, that's it. I'm going to go home and make tacos tonight just because I saw that like sign outside of a restaurant. Taco Tuesday, they were offering tacos for, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. So that's what's on the menu this evening around the Hall household. Which fish is, tacos. No, I mean, regular Kath, meat tacos. Kath loves a fish taco. Have you had, ever, do you like fish tacos? I've never had a fish oh, taco. Oh, no. But I heard they're great. I poo pooed a fish taco for a long time, but they are. I mean, that, you know. I, want, I, want to try, I really want to try one. There's okay. a place downtown. Right across the uh, Roberto Clemente Bridge. What is it? Like a little uh, fish taco place? Yeah. It's all they serve is fish taco? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I think so. Oh, it's on 6th, uh, 6th Avenue. That's it. That's it, I think. It's on the right-hand side. There's little stools outside. Yes. You can go inside as well. I know exactly yes. what. But I do not know the name of it. Okay. Yeah, we took our kids to uh, Mad Max the other night. How's that? Oh, I love Mad Max. I'm, I'm happy to eat there. I had a burrito. Now, my one kid, he, you know he had tacos? You know yeah. what he wants on a taco? Meat and cheese. That's it? That's it. I mean, you could do that at Taco Bell. I'm like taking them to, you know. That's anyway. boring. That's, you know, some, some kids. I don't want any condiments, nothing else on there. Anyway, have a great night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.